All right, welcome to Friendship, guys. It's good to be here. For those of you who may not know me, I'm John Davis. I'm Director of Operations here. Um, I'm a volunteer staff member, um, so that's my role here. Um, it's good to have you guys. I'm really excited to be here and be able to speak today. Uh, it's a privilege. It's an honor. Um, we're going to go ahead and jump into the scriptures today. We've been in, in Psalms. Um, uh, this, this week, we're going to be talking about a psalm of Thanksgiving. And Andrew started to do something that I would like us to continue to do as we read the, the passage that we're going to be in today. I'm going to ask you guys to stand with us. And the reason we do this is it's, it's a sign of respect and honor to the Word of God. It's a sign of us saying we honor what God has to say to us today. So we're going to read out of Psalm 32. Uh, we're going to read the entire chapter. I'll give you just a second to flip over there. So in verse 1, it says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are my hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is the word of God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are, for your word. Thank you for a day that we can not only honor our earthly fathers, but we can honor you as our heavenly father, as the ultimate example of what a father should be and an ultimate example of your love, God. I pray that as we dive into this time of looking at a psalm of thanksgiving, that we see what you have for us, that only your words are spoken today, that there would be no, no pride or anything on this platform today, that it would simply be your words being spoken so that your truth can be heard and hearts can be changed, God. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat, guys. Like I said, today we're going to be uh, in a psalm of thanksgiving. This, month, or this summer we've been going through the psalms, um, and there's different types of psalms. Today, though, we said psalm of thanksgiving, so if we can go ahead and get that description of the psalm of thanksgiving up on the screen. Uh, this is from the Every Psalm Pro Project that Andrew's referenced before, and it's a great definition of this and kind of gives us a good launching off point into this. But it's a psalm of thanksgiving 
uh, that these are similar to the psalm of praise, which is the psalm that Andrew started off with two weeks ago, and that they celebrate God. In doing so, however, they share narratives of God's goodness and typically honor specific things that he has done. This can include heard and answered prayers, stories of deliverance, and God-given victories. We're going to go through several different types of psalms this, this month. We started off again with the psalm of praise, and then we went with a psalm of lament last week that Jay went through. I'm going to be hitting a psalm of thanksgiving today. Then we've got psalms of confidence, psalms of kingship, psalms of remembrance, and psalms of wisdom. And it's important um, to notice a distinction in these. Um, and this has been actually really good for me. I was talking to Andrew earlier in the week. It's amazing how when you really dive into a scripture with the intent of passing it along to someone else, you tend to see things in a little more detail than you do when you're just reading it for your own consumption, um, which is great. But last week, uh, Jay talked about a psalm of lament. And in it, when I was listening to him uh, after, uh, when we were on our way back from, from Missouri, um, he talked about how Song of Lament, Psalm of Lament, actually ended in Thanksgiving. And at first I was like, hey man, you're starting to step on my ground there a little bit. Like, that's what I'm preaching on. Uh, but I started listening to him, and it, it really kind of caused me to draw a comparison between the two, the Psalm of Lament and the Psalm of Thanksgiving. So I just want to look at, at a few comparisons between the two. The first is this, is a song of lament ends with thanksgiving, but not always answered prayer. Um, however, in, uh, I just lost my place already. This is too early in the game to be doing this. Um, psalm of thanksgiving are a response to answer prayer. Lament represents a current situation that we're in. But thanksgiving is looking back to deliverance, but also picturing our eternity. And this is one of the most important ones as we jump into this passage today. Lament is temporary. Thanksgiving is eternal. Lament is temporary. Thanksgiving is eternal. So as we jump in today... Um, I've never done this when I was teaching or anything where you take like the same letter and go down like we've got three P's today, you know, that we're going to go through, but I decided to do it today. So I've got three P's, not really, I don't preach that short. I've got six P's that we're going to go through today. Um, but out of this Psalm of Thanksgiving, we're going to look at the premise, the pit, the prayer, the promise, the preparation, and the praise of thanksgiving. So let's jump right into the premise. And what is a premise? Um, it's similar to a hypothesis. And you're like, John, you just use a bigger word to define a smaller word. What are you doing here? Basically what it is, is much like when you're writing a paper, you have a thought at the beginning that is saying, this is what this is gonna be about, and then I'm gonna prove this. I'm gonna prove it through the paper. And this is what I believe the scripture is doing here. It's setting up a premise, and it's gonna take the time to prove this premise. So first two verses of Psalm 30, we see that David says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So the reason this premise is so important is not only is this the premise of the psalmist, but it's actually the premise of the entire church, the entire church body in our church, is that 
Our entire belief system is based on the fact that our transgressions are forgiven and our sins are covered. But why is that important? We'll get into that in a little bit. But blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So the premise is that if you've had forgiveness, if you've had your sins covered, you're blessed, you're happy. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on that because that's the premise and the psalm is going to spend the rest of the time proving that premise. So we're going to jump into the second one, the pit. We're going to spend a big chunk of time here because I think it's important. Now, we talked about how lament is something that, that is temporary. It's the situation that we're in and that Thanksgiving is eternal. I was thinking about this because it's Father's Day and a few weeks prior to Father's Day last year, my dad passed away. Um, during that time, it was a time of lament, right? It was a time of difficulty. There were moments that as I was caring for him in those last final days that I just didn't know if I was going to make it through. Um, it was, I was thankful to God for the time and I had an awareness, but it was very heavy. Now looking back on that and seeing what God taught me through that experience, I can look back on it as thanksgiving, so that's kind of the example that I'm looking at there. And there's pits that we get into and difficulties that we get into. But I think the biggest pit that we start off in is the pit of death, the pit of being disconnected from God. In Psalm 32, verse 3 through 4, it says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer, Selah. And I just want to, answer, I just want to address that, that word Selah that we're talking about there. Um, who knows what that, that word means? Anybody? You can answer out loud. A pause or a rest. Take a break in this moment. Slow down. Take it in. Y'all can come preach for me now. So. <laughs> uh, but take it in, absolutely. So let's do that one more time. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. The weight of God's hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. And I thought about this since I moved to South Carolina. I understand that phrase so much more than I ever have in my entire life. It is so stinking hot here during the summer. It's been mild so far. I'm happy with it. But in honor of the 90, day, 90 degree day that we're going to have today, I wore a long sleeve flannel shirt uh, to speak in. Not sure what I was thinking. Uh, there's a sister passage to this. And as we mentioned, there's multiple... Uh, Psalms of Thanksgiving. Psalm 30 is actually the one that I was originally going to speak on, but I felt like 32 was a little bit better. But um, 30 is a sister passage to this. Uh, we're going to look at verse 3 of chapter 30. It says, O Lord, you have brought my soul from Sheol. And Sheol is a reference to the place of the dead, death. Uh, some people would refer to it as hell or the grave. Um, so basically just a place of death. It says, you restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. So we see this reference of a pit. What is a pit? Um, the definition of it is a naturally formed or ex excavated hole or cavity in the ground. Pits caused by erosion, clay pits, 
or a covered or concealed excavation in the ground serving as a trap. So it may be a naturally occurring thing, or it may be something that's created with a specific intent, a specific uh, purpose, and that purpose is as a trap. A couple different examples of of pits. This would be a stone pit. These were uh, most often found in Europe. They were uh, used by hunters to capture animals. Uh, The basic premise there is the animal falls in. Um, There's nothing specifically dangerous outside of the fact that you fall in the hole. These animals could actually survive in these holes for a little while because there may be food in the hole. There may be uh, things that would sustain them for a period of time but we know what the ultimate end of anyone who fell, or any animal that fell into that pit was, and it was death. Um, the next one, these are, this is a picture. Um, these were common pits that were dug uh, both in the Vietnam War during Korea and in the Pacific theater of World War II. There were pits that were dug out. Sticks were sharpened so that when people fell into these, it was specifically designed to kill, hurt, injure, at very least slow down and render someone not capable of continuing their mission. So there was an enemy that was preventing someone from continuing their mission. Um, I was born in Los Angeles, California. It's weird, used to I could say that and people would be like, that's cool. Now I say I was born in Los Angeles, California and you're like, are you a Democrat? Like, what's wrong with you? You know, like I was only there six months, so I, you know, it's, it's a little different, but the La Brea tar pits in California are an example that I really think of a lot too when I think about a pit that we fall into. David in other Psalms talks about a miry clay. It's a clay that you get stuck in. In this case, it's this tarry substance that you get stuck in. And the more and more you fight it, the more and more stuck you get, similar to quicksand. So the more effort, let that, let that just germinate in your brain a little bit there, that the more effort you put into trying to get out of it, the more stuck you get. So what is a pit uh, in our lives? It can be a lot of things. I talked about the death thing, and we're going to hit on that pretty hard in a minute because that's one of the most important things that we can get right in our life is that there's this pit that we're in, that we're born into that we have to be rescued from. But a pit can be, like we talked about earlier, a season of lament. It can be depression. It can be addiction. It can be the unbearable weight of faking being religious. It can be, that was for like emphasis on what I said there. So it can be an addiction to legalism. It can be financially bad decisions. It can be anything that traps us that we cannot get out of. So to me, the main characteristic of a pit is not something that we can get out of on our own. Some of you guys may have seen this video, but I was looking for an example of what what sums this up. And so we're going to look at this, this quick clip uh, you can go ahead and, and play it now of the sheep that's stuck in this ditch. To it, it's a pit. It's, it's face down in this ditch. Um, and it needed, a, it needed someone to free it out of it, right? And so it's freed out of the thing. 
It's been given a, a second chance there. And if any of you guys have seen that video, just wait, okay? But um, so I wanted, before we continue to see it, what are sheep like? Um, one, sheep are a prey species, and their only defense is to flee. So I want to make it crystal clear the Bible refers to us as sheep. I know in our current climate, we don't want to be called sheep because that's a bad thing because we're just somebody who follows. I almost went full dad joke with the bad when I said that and I didn't. Okay. Um, but um, we don't want to be called sheep. But the truth is, is if God calls us sheep, guess what we are? Sheep. So what are sheep like? Sheep are a prey species and their only defense is to flee. Sheep are easily influenced or led. Interestingly, sheep require better fencing than cattle. Sheep are extremely intelligent animals. I've grown up in church my entire life hearing people talk about how dumb sheep are and how dumb we are. And I don't feel like that preaches well for me to call you dumb today, so I'm not going to do that. But the truth is, sheep are extremely intelligent animals. Sheep are also emotionally complex animals, so they have a depth to them. Um, that's also, for us guys, sometimes it's scary when we go, she's emotionally complex. We're like, oh, like, I don't know how to deal with that, right? But we're all emotionally complex people, and sheep are emotionally complex animals. So with that in mind, I want to I want to go back to our, our friend, the sheep, who just got freed out of this pit and see what these intelligent, emotionally complex animals do. <laughs> right? And we laugh at it, and it is funny, but the reason it's funny is because of the irony of it and how much it actually represents us, Right? So we have a tendency to go right back to the pits that we came out of. We jump right back in. And even though we're easily led, that's great if we're being led by the right source. The problem is, is when we just randomly decide to do our own thing. So after the pit comes the prayer. In Psalm 32, verse 5, it says this. David says, I acknowledge my sin to you. And I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. The sister passage we were just talking about, <clears throat> verse 30, I mean, chapter 30, verses 8 through 10, it says, To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me, O Lord, my helper. So the psalmist is in a pit, and he cries out in prayer. Now, as we're doing this, I want us to start thinking if we're believers, because these psalms are written to believers, there's truths for non-believers, and we'll get to that. But I want us to start thinking about when did, when did God pull me out of a pit? 
I want us to remember that as we go through this. And what was it like when I prayed and asked God to take me out of this pit? And the reason why is because we're going to build to a place of thanksgiving in this from looking at where we came from. So also, I want to point out how prevalent the gospel is throughout the entire Bible. And when we say gospel, we're talking about the fact that Jesus died for us. He was buried and he rose from the grave. I don't have any passages today that are from the New Testament, and yet we are 100% going to see Jesus today. And we're going to see the way to Jesus today in what we see. And there's a prayer to God saying, save me, be merciful to me, save me from this pit. So we see the promise next. And in Psalm 32, verse 6 through 7, it says this. It says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are my hiding place. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. In this passage, God is saying, or the psalmist is saying, in this time I find safety in you. I find protection in you. I, I have, you know, you surround me with shouts of deliverance. So this is a picture of God not only saving us from the pit, and this is important, but it's also giving us a hiding place. Because, you know, I think a lot of times we take a foxhole that is meant for safety and we dig it into a pit. We try and make it better for ourselves. We get where God wants us to be, but then we start taking over and we make it a trap for ourselves. And I think what's important for us to realize is we're not saved so that we're suddenly able to live our lives the right way. We're saved so that we can come into a relationship with Jesus Christ so we can continue to depend on him to live our lives the right way. And it is okay for each and every one of us, men on Father's Day, when we struggle to be good fathers, when we struggle with what the world tells us being a man looks like or doesn't look like, our first go-to is not to say, I'm weak and I need a place to hide. But we will be the strongest that we ever are when we are hiding in God and when we're safe in God. The promise is that if we say that prayer, God will give us that place of safety, that place to stay secure in. Brings me to the next point, the preparation. I love this because not only does God give us a place to stay, but he perpetually surrounds us with shepherds, with teachers, with his instruction. In verse 20, uh, or verse 8 and 9, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. God is always offering to be our shepherd. He's always putting shepherds in front of us. 
And I might just add in, this thought just came to me, when we don't follow the shepherds that God puts in front of us, we cannot pretend to be following God as our shepherd. If we don't follow the shepherd that God's put in front of us, we cannot pretend to be following God as our shepherd. I think it's interesting that in the context of sheep in this passage, it says, don't be like a horse or a mule without understanding. A horse and a mule are drastically different than a sheep, right? A horse doesn't naturally follow. You have to break it. As sheep, we are designed by our very nature to follow God, to have a relationship with God. And we have a choice whether or not to fulfill that nature and walk in that nature and follow God. There's also probably some line in there about not being a mule all the time, and we'll just leave it at that. So the big point out of this preparation time, too, is that a sheep is safe when it's focused on the shepherd. A sheep is safe when it's focused on the shepherd. Was that sheep that went headlong into the same ditch that it just got out of focused on the shepherd? No. If it had been focused on the shepherd, it would not have gone into the ditch. How many people feel like you've been in a pit before? Okay. This is what I'll say. If you feel like you have not been in a pit, and I don't want this to sound too harsh, you're in a pit right now. If you think you've never been in a pit, you're in a pit right now. This sounds weird to transition from that statement into a praise of thanksgiving, but go with me and it'll make sense. We're gonna jump into one other book here. It's Job chapter 33. And the story of Job has always intrigued me. There's so much that could be said about Job and there's so much depth in these passages. Uh, We're gonna barely scrape the surface. We don't have time to get into all of it. But in Job 33, verse 24, it says this. And remember how I talked about Jesus and for the believer who's in here, just soak this in and let your heart become thankful for what you see here. Job is actually, uh, a lot of people don't know this, Job is said to be the oldest book written. We always think Genesis is the oldest book written because it's the first book in the Bible. But it's said that Job is the the first book that was ever written. So this is thousands of years before the time of Christ. And yet it says, and and he is merciful to him and says, deliver him from going down into the pit. I have found a ransom. Let this flesh become fresh with youth. Now in Job's case, it is talking about a physical torment he had, but make no mistake, this is talking about a spiritual torment as well. It says, let his flesh, verse 25, let his flesh become fresh with youth. Let him return to the days of his youthful vigor. Then man prays to God and he accepts him. He sees his face with a shout of joy and he restores to man his righteousness. Let's visit the gospel real quick for just a second. Jesus Christ died on the cross paying a ransom for us. 
to give us new life, to restore our hearts, and to restore his righteousness. The Bible says that our unrighteousness has been replaced with Christ's righteousness. It says in verse 27, he sings before men and says, and what a great song of thanksgiving this is. I have sinned and perverted what was right and it was not repaid to me. It was not repaid to me. He has redeemed my soul from going down into the pit and my life shall look upon the light. I mentioned that these psalms are written to believers. But they have truth for unbelievers. And I feel I would be naive to believe that every single person sitting in here is in full belief of Jesus Christ. I hope it's true. I hope every one of us has accepted Christ. But I speak to those who haven't accepted Christ you say, why does it matter? That premise at the beginning, why does it matter if my sins are forgiven or not? I'm not hurting anybody. Why does it matter? I want to share a story. Um, Berkeley, who isn't feeling too great today, the other day came to me, and unfortunately she overheard um, Karen talking about a friend, um, about someone from back in high school time frame, who had uh, died, I believe, in an accident. And the truth was that this, this person did not know Christ. And Berkeley being Berkeley, uh, I imagine she kind of sat on it for a minute. She pondered it. She went into her room by herself and hung out. And then she came to me with tears in her eyes and said, Dad, I need to tell you something. I heard Mom talking about this. I know I wasn't supposed to hear it, but I heard Mom talking about this, and it just breaks my heart that that person went to a bad place. She didn't even want to say the bad place. But for clarity in the moment, there's a literal hell that our sins demand the price of death for that if we don't accept Christ, we'll spend all eternity there. But then even more than that, she said, you know what bothers me the most about it? And it always catches me off guard when people say that because I think hell is a pretty bad place. But she said, the thing that, that breaks my heart the most about it is that they will be separated from God for eternity because God is the person who brings happiness and joy, and love. It is an awesome experience to get preached to by your 10-year-old. <laughs> it's incredible. I love it. 10? 11? 11. There we go. It's registered there with me for a second. Um, so one of our favorite guys to quote actually preached an entire sermon on this passage. Uh, one of the old dead guys, Charles Spurgeon, who you hear us quote a lot, um, this one was just a quote 
that, that if you're not believing or if you think you don't understand, John, my pit is too deep, it's too far, it's too big of a deal. Let's read this, this quote. It says, there's such a thing as sickness of the soul, which is in God's esteem far worse than disease of body. And blessed be his name, there's such a thing as recovery from soul sickness, even to those who are so far gone that they appear to be going down into the pit. God can deal with sinners when they are on the very brink of hell. He can deal in love with them when the soil slips from under their feet and they themselves are about to dash into that pit that is bottomless. He can come in even then and rescue them to the praise of the glory of his grace. Amen? Friend, if you've not accepted Christ, know that today you may be in a pit and your destiny may be an eternal bottomless pit that you, neither one you're gonna be able to get yourself out of. But I've got good news. It's that Jesus Christ stepped down out of heaven as God and became man and sacrificed himself on a cross after living a perfect life so that you can have salvation so you can be brought out of that pit and maybe brought out of a pit over and over because God is faithful no matter how many times our heart might fell us he will never fell us and that is why this is a praise a psalm of thanksgiving psalm 32 10 through 11 says this many are the sorrows of the wicked a pit you're gonna ultimately be unhappy in. Remember that stone pit, just as an additional warning, if you're starting to try and talk yourself out of anything. That stone pit, an animal could fall in that and continue to survive for a while. There could still be some sustenance in there. There could still be some life in there. Your pit is not a good place to be in. But it says this, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. We had a memorial service yesterday, right? And I talked earlier about lament. We had a memorial service for one of the most incredible ladies that, that I've met, for Ann Stewart. It was a great time of just remembering her and celebrating her life. And I have no doubt that over the last several months, she had lament. She had sadness. But just like Jay talked about, and as we saw in her text that she sent to us, she was still thankful in the moment. But you know what? That lament for her, remember what I said earlier? That lament for her was temporary. And today, her thanksgiving is eternal. Amen. So with that, I'm going to read this last passage. And the worship team can go ahead and come up and start getting ready. And we are going to take this moment to be thankful to God. I'm going to ask everybody to take this time. 
uh, just stay in your, stay where you are as we start to worship God. This is a time of response to what we've heard today. This is a time to have thanksgiving because of the salvation that God has given us. I'm gonna read Psalm 30, 11 through 12 and end there. You've turned for me my mourning into dancing, both in this life and imagine Anne in the next life. You've loosed my sackcloth, this dirty, filthy flesh. You've loosed it from me. You've loosed my sadness and clothed me with gladness. Why? That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, here it is. I will give thanks to you forever. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your salvation, for bringing me out of a pit, for bringing all of us who have accepted you out of a pit. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. Thank you for perpetually getting us out of pits. My prayer is that we would focus on you, that we would look to you as our shepherd, that we would do that faithfully. But in this time now, we just want to thank you and begin to thank you eternally for the eternal life you've given us. Why wait till we're in heaven? Let's thank you now. Let's worship you now, God, in a continuation of this psalm of thanksgiving. I pray that if anyone is in here who hasn't accepted you, Christ, that you would continue to teach them. Your word says that you draw them and they feel it. They feel your spirit drawing them, God. So I just pray that they would accept you. They would see you as Lord. They would confess their sins to you and ask God, forgive me. Take me out of this pit. And if that's your prayer today, I pray that you would do that now so that you can join in worshiping with us in this Thanksgiving. Please stand to worship with us.